Hi, my name is James Ramos. I am a licensed general contractor at Ramos Design Build. While my core business and expertise is construction and development, I own several businesses in two other arenas, real estate, including sales, finance, and insurance, and construction product companies like cabinetry, flooring, and interior design firm that creates jaw-dropping impressions when someone walks through the door. These three areas allow me to be a better builder and solely focused on luxury homes valued at over $1 million. We service every facet along the residential home journey. Buy, sell, design, build, finance, furnish, and maintain. I have won 10 National Aurora Awards for standout kitchen and bath design and build projects. And the Ramos family name is synonymous with thousands of successful residential and commercial construction projects in the Southeast United States since 1956. Let Ramos Design Build help you with the home of your dreams today. Call 813-259-1111 or go to ramosdesignbuild.com. Let me help you make your dream a reality. The real estate market is open. Ramos Design Build, the Tampa Bay's premier construction company. This is a program where the real estate experts are live. Whether buying, selling, building, or designing, Ramos has the answers. Now, here's the area's best resource for all things real estate, James Ramos. Welcome to another Move of Me program with James Ramos of Ramos Design and Build. And James, we're going to be joined by Grayson Silver a little bit later on from uh, Baker Barrios Architect and Design. And, you know, it really kind of, it's interesting because we constantly hear that conversation about, okay, what does it take to put up, uh, you know, buildings that make sense and yet buildings that are awe-inspiring, that make people proud to live in the town that they do in fact live in, that when you go downtown, you can kind of look around and say, yeah, look at this, look at this. It, 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 it just looks special and looks significant. Yeah, so it's like, you know, the balance between function and creativity, and then you also have budget in there, which is, you know, obviously important. But, you know, it comes it comes down to the investor and, you know, the development firm. Mm-hmm. You know, are they going to do something that's vanilla or are they going to go out of their way and really do something that's special? Yeah. And those are the things, you know, there's several folks in Tampa that have done some really special things and it and it really stands out. And a lot of times you look at it, you're like, God, you know, I wonder if this makes sense, you know, because yeah. it's so special. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times it doesn't, you know, or they've just, just taken their horizon of their investment and pushed it out. Yeah. Maybe an extra 10 years, yeah. you know, to really get that payout. But I tell you, some of the things that I've seen, you know, those points of difference, like you're you're talking about, it is special because mm-hmm. it takes a lot of momentum. Um, you know, with a number of people and it's not just, you know, the owner or the, you know, investor group. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the beer can building? You know, I think, you know, what's great about you. Well, the first thing I think of is like, how are these offices laid out? You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently they had a tough time uh, getting people in there because it just the, the, the shape of the building kind of robs people of square footage. Yeah, it does. And so it was yeah. tough for them to actually fill that building to capacity. But, you know, after you get past the function, because you're wondering, you know, who's you know, exactly like you said, like, how would you office this guy's office in a curve? Like what type of furniture? You can't put a desk you know, yeah. against that wall or. You know, so but but when you look at it, it is great. You know, it's something that's a it's a landmark to Tampa. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very unique, and I love stuff like that. You know, I think we should have more. I'm excited about you know the projects that are going on in Tampa right now. I can't yeah. wait to see what's going to go on. What Vinick's going to do with his? You know, he's got a great team in downtown Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all exciting stuff. And, and what do you think that means to the the local uh, uh, marketplace? When it comes to just being able to, uh, you know, buy a house or be near 
the downtown skyline, and now the skyline is starting to look like something special. Well, I, I, it's a tri- trickle-down effect. I mean, having more development in downtown Tampa is fantastic. You know, obviously there's a, you know, you need to balance it. So it needs to have retail as well as office, as well as, you know, some, you know, there's medical and infused in there and, you know, multifamily, but, um, you know, for the most part, everybody wants to walk out of their home and be within a few miles or, or, you know, or so from some fun stuff to do, whether you do it or not is one thing. And when I say everybody, I think just, I'm not saying everybody, there's people that live on farms and things that love to live <laughs> out in the suburbs and they don't want to be around people, not for but, me. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. But, um, but it's great, you know, and that spillover effect is fantastic because I do feel like when you're, you know, when you're, uh, when you're walking through and you're, you know, a city that's clean yeah. and that's well done with fantastic architecture, you know, that spillover is not just them wanting to live near but it's them wanting to take and do those special things in their own home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, I should talk about it from you, like personally, James, I mean, the standpoint that, you know, obviously uh, your, your family, longtime Tampa roots here, you've seen the, 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 the community kind of grow, what it meant, to, what it means to you personally. And, and when you have those conversations with your mom and, and just like, you know, do you ever guys take a step back and just like look at the city and say, my God, this is, we, we're not in, we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. I mean, I had the fortune to, to travel before I, I, I set roots here. Um, we came back in 2004, but, um, you know, when I was a kid, you know, to be, to, to lay it out and try to be graphic, I mean, on Bayshore, the water smelt yeah. pretty bad, you know, especially right around Bayshore and Beta Bay and much of the nicer homes and things were on the West shore side. So it's the West shore business district and that corridor down, you know, as you go South, you know, there was more continuity with homes with Colbert House and Sunset Park and Colbert Bayou and homes like that. And then, you know, Davis Island, which is on fire right now, there was, you know, several nice homes on Martinique, mm-hmm. which was the last street. And now, you know, in downtown Tampa was pretty much dead. Yeah. You know, so you had, you know, there was, you know, obviously it wasn't dead for, it, it had been alive at some point when Moss Brothers was there. And, you know, when my parents were younger, they would go to downtown Tampa to shop and do different things, but it moved away into the sort of the suburbs. And then now we're seeing all this, you know, growth and excitement back in downtown Tampa, Curtis Hickson Park mm-hmm. with the four, you know, museums that we've had in the last, what, 10 years. I yeah. think they're all built in 10 years ago, right? Yeah. 10, 15 Incredible. tops. All that stuff is fantastic, you know, and I see that. Obviously, the water's clean now. <laughs> you can <laughs> Every run once on in a while, shore. you're driving down there, yeah. and you're like, what is that smell? Oh, God. You know, <laughs> more and more people want to live on Bayshore and on yeah. the offshoot streets of Bayshore. And uh, Hyde Park is fantastic, yeah. you know, with the revitalization. How do you balance that, though? I mean, I mean talk to me, for, especially from you, from your personal standpoint. I mean, you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're a vision you're a builder, you're a designer, you're a real estate agent. And yet, you know, your family also remembers what Tampa was. I mean, how do you balance that in your mind of, you know, when you run into some of these old time Tampa families, they're not interested in getting any bigger. They're not interested in high rises on Bayshore. They're not interested in, in, uh, um, you know, big, uh, big houses going. They like Tampa the way it was and they want to preserve it that way. So they almost try to throw up obstacles. So from your viewpoint, how do you balance that in your mind of, yeah, Tampa was great growing up. It's still a great place to be. And, you know, you can't stop progress and you just got to get on board with it. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily agree. I don't see many of, you know, my generation wanting to stagnate. Yeah. Um, Tampa, I think, you know, with 
Blake and Allison, for example, Blake Casper and Allison Adams. I mean, they're, they've done a great job with Oxford Exchange. They're working on another project now and on off of Bayshore. That's going to be a fantastic add to the city of Tampa. You know, I'm good friends with the Accardi brothers, you know, Jason and John, they have quite a bit of land downtown and they were born and raised here. Mm-hmm. You know, they have high expectations of what they plan on doing. And I see them in the next decade, you know, really turning it on and, and really turning their parking lots and things into some great stuff. So I don't feel that many of us want the city to stagnate. I think everybody's just trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And I see that the progress over the course of the next 10 years is going to be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be really spectacular. And I hope to see this competitive edge where, you know, one investor group is going to outdo the other. And, yeah. you know, and that's how you get those, you know, get outside of those vanilla boxes. Yeah. We well, definitely know, get the, pushing yeah. The, and you, you know, also kind of get the, the competitive edge. You also kind of get the egos involved. And like I can do better than Vinick yeah. or I can do better than this guy. Yeah, Cause or anybody can, can build a typical, you know, multifamily complex or an office building that's vanilla. Mm-hmm. I mean, we want to see stuff with glass. We want to see stuff that's architecturally yeah. cool, you know, potentially not vertical, you know, hundred percent, you know, we want to see some, you know, some, walls that aren't necessarily yeah. straight, you know, yeah. moving out over parking, you know, to the streets and stuff, yeah, some you, creative you, stuff. You, you spend time in Atlanta and, um, you know, a lot of people kind of look at Buckhead and say like, you know, that they, they're putting up incredible looking buildings and it's just like a little mini uh, juggernaut in itself, apart from downtown Atlanta. And, and when you look at uh, a lot of the architecture firms from Atlanta uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, relocated to Tampa, are they just not doing work in Tampa or are they just, you know, they're doing outside uh, marketplaces or how does that work? Well, there's a lot of firm. I mean, if you drive through Channel Side a few months ago, I mean, many of these projects are getting completed, but there's a lot of construction firms that are outside of Tampa, mm-hmm. you know, that are coming into Tampa and actually doing well. There's a lot of developers that are coming in um, and actually seeing the light. So there is a mix. Baker Barrios, for example, they're located, their hub is in Orlando. And they're doing projects in other places. So I think that we're going to start seeing more and more. Um, it's going to become more and more competitive yeah. as it relates to the architecture field, you know, vying for products as well as the construction, yeah. you know, business. Because a lot of these contractors, you know, they have their core competency is the is is um, you know project management. So they can go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, they just grab a license from another state or you know, from the state that they're working in and they can start uh, doing a good job for whomever yeah. that client is. Well, when, when your friends complain to you about traffic uh, and the, you know, the, the more, yeah, more people, yeah. what, what do you, what do you, what parking, do you say to that? What do you say to parking, that? Parking, for example, they're like, <laughs> parking ah, you know, traffic like, cost $12 to park, you know, I feel like, give me a break, you know, it's come on. It's like, you know, either A, ride your bike recently. to yeah. work or get a, get an Uber <laughs> or Lyft or what have you. But you know, it's all relative because, you know, if, if you're complaining about 12 or $15 to park, you really need to take a visit to some of these other cities, you mm-hmm. know, and that's where we're going, you know, so either, you know, figure out another way or just don't go or just suck it up and pay the parking. It's yeah. not a big deal, you know, but in the scheme of things, you know, those are going to be clear and present, you know, so the transit system and things like that, I mean, we're going to have to accommodate, you know, to plan for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that the, that's the only uh, thing left that Tampa really needs to focus on, and and obviously, you know, maybe trying to find a way to use the waterfront as a way as transportation. Who knows if they'll actually be able to accomplish that? We'll continue our conversation here with the Move Me program, James Ramos of Ramos Design and Build, every Sunday at eleven a.m. Joining us uh, at uh, thirty-three after from Baker Barrios, architect Grayson Silver. We'll be here talking about all the exciting projects uh, they've got going on, not only in Tampa, but in, in the state of Florida. 
Move Me program continues. Continue our conversation here with the Move With Me program with James Ramos of Ramos Design and Build. You know, I, I was thinking about this. We were talking about this. I mean, you're, you're, you're a third-generation Tampaite. I guess I'll say it like that, Tampaite. Tampanian? Tampanian, however you wanna, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. And, and I was thinking about it because, I mean, your family and you yourself have been here. You've been innovative. Your designs are, are you know, spot on. They're custom. They're perfect. And I, I was thinking about it in the sense that because of the Vinick Project, Everything you're hearing, like all the papers and everyone's saying, saying sometimes it takes an outsider, takes an outsider, takes an outsider. But yet there are people here that have been here and have been doing great work here. I mean, not to say that you got offended by it or get offended by it, but when you see that, does it kind of you kind of like say, yeah, well, you know, people were doing things here to make Tampa what it is today. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right. I mean, if you look at it's it doesn't have to come from, you know, someone else mm-hmm. outside of the city. But I think the fact that the you know a lot of the developers that are here obviously have roots in other places or they go and visit other places, so they're bringing a lot of you know design features and things back from whether it's another country or it's you know special cities in in, in the in the United States. You know specifically, we're talking about you know Blake Casper, one of the pro- this project that he's doing on Bayshore. He's pulling like five or six different designs that are coming from, you know, other parts of the country yeah. as well as other parts of other countries, you know, so, and he's trying to infuse it all together and it's fantastic. But, you know, one of the things that's, that's, you know, people ask me all the time is, is like, why are these homes that are going up in these special places look so vanilla, mm-hmm. you know, but when you, you know, to answer that is you have to understand the financial side behind it. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that we're going to see more and more, you know, design and build for folks yeah. that, want to have that extra edge. They want to have that creativity. They want to have that special, you know, feature or things that are in their house and make their home, you know, with a big point of difference. But a lot of times, you know, a developer buys a lot and they need to, you know, hit the numbers and make their profit and stuff. And you yeah. end up having the same is that, uniform look. Yeah, is that is that a reflection on uh, on the the marketplace and the earning potential here of the marketplace or the end or the buyer, I should say? Or is it a reflection on the builder who's just buying up lots, throwing up houses as quickly as possible just to turn it over? Well, I think it's a result of the buyer, mm-hmm. you know, so the buyer, you know, creates the demand, if you will. So if a buyer is willing to spend the money on a particular higher end, then, you know, people will start building higher end. But if that buyer wants the, you know, wants that big box, you know, that 5,000 square foot house and they don't really care about it being very nice, you know, obviously, you know, they're going to pay less and they're going to, they're going to, you know, like it. So yeah. I don't know if I answered the question, but, but it's all driven from, you know, the demand and the buyers, mm-hmm. you know, so we, I, I'm fortunate to do a few projects that are highly custom um, I'm shifting my business from design and build for folks, you know, for many from, you know, it's typically 80% and 20% development. I'm trying to get it to 50, 50. Um, so we're doing several projects on our own that are funded by me and, and investors and things. And we really want to have a point of difference, but the key to that is, is having really great property. Yeah. So you can't just do a super fantastic home in the middle of you know, Maine and, you know, and first, you know, yeah. or, you know, I'm just using fictitious names, but it, it, it can't <laughs> be, I'm assessing like, where is that? Um, but, uh, but, you know, and, and it's, and that's, and, and, and that value can be held because the property is that 
you know, extra. Yeah. Is it one of those things you think that, uh, you know, if you build it, they will come like straight out of Field of Dreams? Or is it, uh, are there th- that type of buyer, qualified buyer here in the city now that just haven't seen either the one, the value in a home like that, or two, just uh, haven't been shown I mean, a home like that? it's definitely a gamble. Yeah. I mean, developing is definitely a gamble and you weigh your risks and you do your research and you figure out, you know, what you think you can you know, build the house for and what you think that the market will bear. Mm -hmm. But it definitely is important to recognize that if you're trying to do things outside of the data points that have happened, you know, also known as a pioneer, you know, you could, you know, strike gold or you could get an arrow in your back. Yeah. yeah. So it's, so it's, you know, so when you're going for something that's a 30% markup to, you know, margin over what the history says in a particular neighborhood, you just yeah. got to be really conscious and make sure that it's on point. Yeah. But that's how you're going to, that's how we're going to see things hedge forward. I mean, you know, yeah. And a lot of times what happens is, is a lot of people were building design and building for themselves. So they want to give that extra oomph in this and they're, they don't, they don't, they're not looking at turning the property in 24 months. Yeah. They want to live in it. So they're doing the extra, you know, all the extra features and the extra spend you know, a number of ways to do it. It's very easy. And, and they're doing these creative things. And and next thing you know, you're like, wow, this is a fantastic home or a fantastic office or a fantastic building or a fantastic build out in a restaurant. And it shows. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess one of the things that always bothers me and it just really drives me like up, up a wall. I just get so angry with uh, my, my friends who live in Los Angeles or New York or Miami, even, and they're just like, well, yeah, you know, I don't Tam- like them either. Yeah, they're like, oh, you know, just <laughs> Tampa's just not as sophisticated as our area. Yeah, so they just they don't understand good design or architecture or quality. And it's just like, I just want to start choking them like right, right in front of it. I just it just drives me insane. I was like, no, we are sophisticated in our own right. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just the it's the investment pool. Yeah, you know, Miami's had international investment for how much longer than us? I mean, it's just, four decades. Uh, yeah, I five mean, decades. I mean, the prices of you know, you just look at the retail. And they also are, had cocaine fueling that, a lot of that skyline. Yeah, yeah. Like, have you seen that movie? <laughs> yeah, cocaine, cocaine Cowboys. cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> no, like cocaine probably built like 70% of know, the skyline. I, I, right <laughs> I watched that a couple months ago and I felt like I had gone out for like seven hours, you know. It was like four in the morning. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I looked at my watch. It was only nine. Yeah, I felt like I had great. a hungover and I didn't even drink anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a product of your investment and the, and the, and the confidence that, that folks have in your area. You know, some of these condos where I said retail, but also the condo, you know, the retail areas in South Beach, for example, they're, they're ridiculous. I mean, the amount of money that people have to spend, there's no way you can sell clothes, you know, to cover the cost of these. So a lot of these places are just literally like, Hey, this is my marketing spend. I have to be here because the traffic, Mm -hmm. you know, the foot traffic and so forth. So, you know, but it's very difficult to, you know, to turn how many, you know, Cuban sandwiches to cover your rent. I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's because of the cocaine or who knows, you know, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? but, um, but, uh, I, I do feel like, you know, with the Bay in the Bay area, you know, the beaches, if you go, you know, drive down our beaches, Clearwater has done a great job, mm-hmm. you know, and some of the middle of the, you know, part of the beaches, St. Pete, uh, you know, St. Pete beach is, you know, they were passing, passing um, local ordinances separate from the city of St. Pete, so different than Clearwater. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the folks um, in Clearwater, for example, uh, were, that are in the mainland are voting on things that are approved in Clearwater Beach. So yeah. it's a lot easier, whereas St. Pete Beach is a little bit farther behind. Yeah. So there's a lot of opportunity there um, if, if they can work it you know, like Clearwater Beach did. But yeah. a lot of people don't really want it. But for the most part, you know, they have to vote 
for the few people who live in Clearwater Beach for those for those uh, big developments and stuff, and a lot of people don't want them. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned earlier that a lot of vanilla houses going up around uh, the city of Tampa limits, and, and I always wonder, like, for from you personally, from your perspective, um, could you even do that for your business, or you just lose interest in it? A lot of the what? Well, uh, could like, a lot of the houses going up are vanilla-looking. Yeah. Could you do that personally, or would you just lose interest completely in your own company and just say, "I, ah, you know what, I just I got to go do something well, else"? Well, I decided long ago that I didn't want to have a business that that I lived off of that needed to build over ten homes a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it sounds kind of silly, but I didn't want to be the builder that had to pump out a bunch of homes. You know, so I have other businesses that help me be a better builder as a custom high end builder, so we can more focus on the clients that we have. Yeah. Um, you know, but. But um, I think that that type of model, there's nothing wrong with it, but you have to have a lot of land. Yeah. You know, so building in a, you know, I don't have a suburb, you know, outside of Tampa that we're building on. But if if I did decide to do that, it would be a different arm of my business. Yeah. You know, I, ha- I do think about it, but you need to have those economies of scale. So having, you know, the, the land where you can build. 30, 40 homes and you're putting people on a golf cart and you're driving them around and saying, Hey, pick a lot. And here are the three models to pick from. I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a great business. It's just not mine. Yeah. 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 What, what really gets your adrenaline pumping when, when, when a customer comes to you and says, look, I want a Ramos custom house. What gets your adrenaline pumping when they start talking to you about the things that they're looking for? Well, after I clear that they have enough budget to, you know, in their budget to <laughs> do what they're, what they want to do, their yeah. dreams. Um, it's exciting to know that, you know, when they really want a special home, I mean that, and, and it's all about the family and then learning about their family and how they operate from morning until night. I mean, that's exciting. Yeah. You know, whether they have the lot or not, I mean, the, but, but what's really exciting is, is, you know, we're finishing up a home for a client now and we help them find the property. And this was years ago. He paid the property down. You know, he, he did his thing and took his time and, um, you know, now he's going to be moving in by Christmas. So that type of, uh, you know, from the property acquisition all the way from the design and going through all the bumps and the, you know, and the emotion and things and finally getting them in the home is the most exciting thing, you know, I've ever had probably next to. Um, hitting a home run, and I didn't hit that many home runs playing baseball. So <laughs> me neither. Yeah, I was, was a contact excited. guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was a contact. That's how I knew my career was yeah. over. He's just Maduri's just a contact. We'll continue our conversation here at the Move with Me program. Joining us next, Grayson Silver uh, of Baker Barrios Arch- Architect, uh, a senior associate. Looking forward to hearing all the projects he's got going on. Money in uh, Orlando, many in Tampa. You're not going to believe what Orlando and Tampa are going to look like once Baker Barrios and Grayson Silver are done with them. Move Me program continues here on your conversation station. Welcome back. This is James Ramos with Move With Me Radio. I am excited this week to talk with Grayson Silver. Grayson Silver is a senior associate and architect with Baker Barrios. Um, it's a firm that's located in um, Tampa, and they also have operations in Orlando. Grayson, nice to have you today. James, thanks for having me. Hey, we were talking a little bit about all the things that you guys are doing, and I know you have a an incredible firm that you're working with. One of the things that we were just talking about is this creative village in Orlando. Tell us about it. So the Creative Village in Orlando is a uh, 68 acre redevelopment. It's very similar to what we have going on here in Tampa with I mean, in Tampa with the Water Street development. The idea behind it is rooted in Richard Florida's idea of bringing people into the downtown, creating densification, uh, 
uh, a variety of mixed use in the area. What they're really focusing on is trying to create a higher education and a high tech industry hierarchy. And they believe that by doing that, it's really going to drive the uh, economic catalyst for additional commercial development in the area. Yeah, I mean, not only commercial, but it's probably the trickle-down effect is having more people wanting to live closer to their work. And, and, so and that's, and that's, that's the key. fantastic. And yeah. that, yep, that's the key to the success. So it's literally like right, it's by the Amway Center, correct? Well, it is, and it's actually where the old Amway Center used to be. But it's uh, it's it's just north. It's on the okay, so it's, but it's on the west side yeah, of the interstate. It is. It's okay. on the west side of the interstate. It's right located in downtown. So there's going to be a relationship between the central business district and this new high tech, high ed, um, uh, dense area. So, like, what is the cutting edge technology that your firm does? You know, as a point of difference when designing buildings. Because so, I know you guys are not only architects, but you have a, a, a well-known design side of we, your business, we, which that's true. We which are, does some incredible work. We're, we're design architects. Um, we, uh, we 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 do master planning. We actually are the master planners of the Creative Village. Uh, we were also the master planners of the Encore development here in Tampa. Um, we we like to take an approach where. We bring our clients in from the very beginning. We get their ideas. We build them in a 3D model. We do everything through BIM, which is building information modeling. Uh, that way we can share all of our, our uh, uh, designs with our mechanical, electrical, plumbing structure guys. We all live in the same model, um, building on top of each other. We, uh, we use a, a program called Oculus, which is a uh, virtual reality. We like to take our clients through that so they can actually get an idea of what the building is, what the space is. You know, uh, we also use another program called Inscape. It's a 3D, it's almost like using your uh, uh, Xbox. You can yeah. move through the space with a controller, and we find that it really helps uh, our clients understand the space values. Yeah, so so with BIM, I don't know if any of the listeners know what BIM is, but I don't even know what it stands for, but I do know that it's it's the, the, the next generation as far as drafting. It, it is, and it stands for Building Information Modeling. Okay. And uh, what gets lost in it, that, that description is everybody understands the building, everybody understands the modeling. People don't understand the information side of it. Right. And uh, when, when we talk about putting the information needed for the construction of the project into the model, it goes down to our plumbing engineer being able to hook his pipe up to our drain and run that drain all the way through the building out to the uh, connecting to the sewer lines that the civil engineers put in place. And then we can take that information and share it with the contractor. And the contractor now owns the model and he's able to share it with his subcontractors. And it's, it's a QC, QA process throughout the whole uh, design phase. And, uh, helps limit any kind of um, uh, problems in the So field. when did y'all shift from AutoCAD, like the 2D to the 3D? So we've been doing the uh, BIM for about 10 years now. Wow, and, yeah, that's uh, good stuff. I yeah. know it takes, it takes a, a lot longer, but once it's set up, right? I mean, you're pulling from a legend that has been used in the past, sure. or is it? And, and what it, it's, it's a different workflow because when you used to do AutoCAD, um, you used to have, you know, we, we go through different phases. We have a schematic phase, a, a design development phase, a construction document phase. Well, in the old days, it used to be that schematic and design development were, 
you know, 35% of the project and, uh, and the, uh, uh, construction documents becomes 65, 60% of the project. Right. It's kind of reversed now because right. you're putting so much information into the model up front to where schematic and design development are now the heavier side of the project and construction documents is, is less. Yeah. I mean, working in, I do mostly luxury homes and the plans are obviously different. Mm -hmm. Um, they're not as detailed as you would see in a commercial drawing and things. So, so we strive to a lot of the homes that we do get as much detail as we can. And in that first phase, it's the, you know, schematic design, the, uh, the client approves it. And then it goes into design development, which is, you know, selecting the windows and the floors to the coverings to, you know, the exterior and all those good things. But having those BIM drawings are amazing. I mean, typically are the project managers actually, you know, printing things on, you know, the contract? Are they printing, you know, on a 2D drawing or they have a computer that they're actually a laptop that they can see, you know, visually a walk through what they're actually building? So it's both. It's both. We, st we, st we still have the 2D drawings that are the permits that they are still the basis of which the building will be constructed from. But today, contractors will be in the field with their iPads and um, physically in the space itself while looking at the model and understanding exactly where the ductwork is being routed, um, where the um, uh, electrical lines pass over top of it, its relationship to fire sprinklers, you know, all kinds of things. Well, we're here with Grayson Silver. He's an architect and senior associate at Baker Barrios. Baker Barrios is uh, the main headquarters is in Orlando. Grayson is a... Uh, University of Florida grad. I went to University of Florida as well. Um, you got a master's degree in architecture. So tell us about uh, those days back in University of Florida. Have you been back? I have been back. Yeah. Uh, uh, I actually went through the City Lab Orlando program at University of Florida. It's housed in Orlando and it's a joint venture between Valencia College, UCF, and the University of Florida. Right. And it's been very exciting because now that I'm working in the Creative Village, we are actually building the first building the first project in the creative village and it's a mixed use uh, higher education facility uh, 15 story student housing but the bottom five floors are UCF and Valencia College with a high uh, state-of-the-art culinary school That's amazing. and it's been interesting because the University of Florida City Lab program is housed in the creative village. So when I when I go back to do the coordination meetings, I'm right there in my old stomping grounds, and I get to stop in every once in a while and, and see my my old professor. And it's been uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, U UCF has a great hospitality program. They do. Um, yeah, and and um, now they have they're building a full culinary school. So it's Valencia College that's doing the full culinary school. And it's a joint venture with UCF, and it's part of the groundwork for the Creative Village. The whole idea is start with the urban uh, campus, and from there, the uh, commercial side will start to grow. I mean, it's amazing because you have so many shows now, you know, in the Food Network and things. I mean, my son wants to be a chef. I'm like, why do you want to be a chef? You know, he loves to cook and stuff. So he's like, yeah, I think I want to be a chef. You know, he's 12 years old. So you know, maybe he can go to this, this program here in uh, Orlando. Cause I know those programs are quite expensive, those culinary programs, but there's probably, they probably should have some more shows about builders and architects, you know, the sexiness of being in our trade, <laughs> people lose sight of that, you know, but, um, working at Baker Barrios, um, how long have you been there? 
So I've been in Baker Barrios for about three and a half years. I've, I've, I've been in the industry for a little bit over 17 years. Okay. Uh, my time so far at Baker Barrios has been absolutely fabulous. Uh, I really, really appreciate the uh, workflow and the project typologies that we have. Um, we've been very fortunate that uh, we get to work on a lot of different projects from, uh, I think we were talking about earlier, multifamily commercial mixed use vertical high-rise uh, entertainment hospitality and healthcare. that's exciting and, stuff yeah by having I mean, such a big yeah. diversity of typologies it really helps us weather market shifts market changes and uh, it's been absolutely fabulous i mean are you finding um well i'm i'm actually seeing more of our high-end clients that that want residential instead of bringing pictures in of of regular houses that they like, you know, through house or clippings, they're actually referencing hotels or restaurants and saying, Hey, we were at this restaurant. I took a couple pictures and I like the way this bar is set up, or I like the way they're flooring or their woodwork and things like that. It's pretty interesting. Have you, have you guys done any design for high end luxury homes? We, we, we do not do a uh, single family. I've done a lot of single family uh, in my career, and we did specialize in high end uh, uh, and, and those firms. But it, to your point, we're seeing the same thing on the commercial side where interior designers that are embedded with the developers are actually bringing images of Pinterest to us and saying, yeah. you know, we really like the feel that we see in this single family home and we want to, we want to replicate that back into our commercial project. So uh, we're seeing it on the flip side on our side. That's pretty awesome. Well, we're here with Grayson Silver. Uh, he's a senior associate and architect with Baker Barrios. My name is James Ramos. I'm here with move with me radio. We're going to be back after a few messages. Um, you can find me at jamesramos.com or follow me on Twitter at JRTPA. Hey, we're back. This is James Ramos with Move With Me Radio. I'm here with Grayson Silver. He's a senior associate and architect with Baker Barrios. We were just talking, Grayson, about you know some of your clients bringing in Pinterest. Are they bringing in Howls maybe too? You know, just oh, different yeah. pictures of oh yeah of great stuff. So so the tell me tell me this. Okay, so what happens when you have a client and you're obviously are you for the most part you're designing to a budget. Always. Always. Okay. So, so let's say they have, they just want a vanilla, you know, something vanilla and your, you know, your creative team is like, oh my God, there's so much more we can do. I mean, is that hard? You know, and how do you walk that line? Well, it's always hard and it, and it depends on exactly what you're, what you're designing, what, what's being developed, because it's not just up to the architect and the client. Many times it has to go through an architectural review board because right. the city's got a stake in this as well. They're they're concerned about what their skyline looks like or what their they've zoned the area for a particular uh, product, and they want to make sure that it meets an aesthetic value as well. So you have to walk the line between satisfying the client's budget, the needs of the city, or 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 whatever the community is, as well as your own desire to provide quality architecture. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a tough, you know, that's, it's a good point. I mean, the, the number of constituents that you have to deal with, it's not just, you know, the typical owner, mm -hmm. you know, oh, you, let's just satisfy the owner, but it's, you know, it's the owner as well as the city, the municipality, the county or whomever the, you know, potentially the review board. I know you're designing for function as well as designing to have something pretty creative. Well, we, you, we have to keep in mind as a designer, you have a responsibility to your community. 
and what we produce and what what is the built environment, it affects the general public. If the property itself is designed and it doesn't invoke an emotion or it invokes a bad emotion, right. that affects the general public's well-being. Oh, absolutely. I mean, nobody wants to drive through downtown, you know, a downtown you know, city and see a bunch of vanilla boxes, mm-hmm. you know, that have no creativity. And there's actually a lot of studies out there that talk about how the built environment has a direct correlation with our uh, society's health. If, for instance, if the environment, built environment, does not produce a, um, uh, an environment in which people want to get out and be active, you know, you're, you go outside and there's sewage in the, in the streets, right, yeah. you know, nobody's going to want to go out and take a jog, you know, <laughs> nobody's going to want to go out and play with their kids in the park. So the built environment plays a very strong role in our own health. And we as designers have to take that into consideration. Well, that all inspiring, you know, feel, you know, when you're when you're in a city. I mean, what cities do you do you follow particular cities that you say, hey, I wish, you know, our city, whether it's Orlando or Tampa or some of the the places that you guys farm and work in. Is there one particular city in mind that you, you know, that's that's sort of on the cutting edge doing great things? So there's there's a bunch of them out there, yeah. and uh, one of them that I I personally like is Austin, Austin, Austin Texas. Okay. They do a great job of having uh, uh, the right kind of function that people want to get out and experience the downtown area. I, I read a, a great article not too long ago that talked about cities in Japan, and uh, you don't really think about it because of, you, you know you see people with the mask and right, all of right. that stuff, but they have a their culture believes that the dwelling unit itself should not be where you spend your time that they, they, they call the uh, main street, your, your living room. That's right. where you go to experience life. You don't sit on your couch and watch TV. So, uh, but I think Austin has done a Is good job. Is it because job. their places are so small? That's why they make them so small. <laughs> well, it's um, kind of like New York. Yeah. We lived there before and it's, you know, it's kind of tough to just hang out in your, in your place, you know, all Sunday, you know, Saturday and Sunday because well, it's, it's so small. It's funny because I got to get outside. Well, it's funny. That was another city that yeah. I was going to say, you know, it's cliche to say New York, but, right. and people don't realize it, but New York actually has a very high rate of satisfaction. The people that live there are, are very happy with the city and uh the, the the dwelling units are very small just like you said but there's so much activity out on the streets there's so much to do there that people get out and they get engaged in the public and that's what makes the city uh, uh successful yeah i mean they've de- they're doing some amazing you know some of the gentrification that's going on in different parts you know and you know just the real estate prices and mm-hmm. the activity that people can um access is you know so close to all these incredible little little areas in that in, in Manhattan is amazing. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because that is part of what they're trying to do at the creative village is they're trying to create an area that will not allow for gentrification as a degentrification. So they want to make sure that the um, surrounding neighborhoods, the Paramore neighborhoods, the less fortunate neighborhoods still have right. a place to go. And that when they redevelop this, they do not push the current residents out of the area due to new development let's talk about downtown tampa so we have channel side i mean the last time i've driven through there was like a week ago and there's just so much multifamily going in Mm -hmm. you know and you were hopeful that you know all of the businesses that are on the first floor of a lot of these buildings are going to start you know doing well but you know i see that there's potential issues with parking of course you know that's a that's a problem in in every you know metro area 
but um, I really love how Tampa is growing. I mean, it's amazing. So, you know, do you feel like any any growth is good growth? I mean, is it, or or it has to be? It's got to be the right growth. It's got to be the right. It's got to be the right. Is there growth. a particular mix? Like at times, I see these, you know, multifamily, you know, and I, we have a lot of young young folks that work in my businesses and. And they tell me the prices of what they're paying for some of these apartments. And you're like, oh my God, I don't know how long this is going to last. Mm-hmm. You know, $2,400 for a, you know, an apartment at the element, a one bedroom, you know, and some of these prices are quite high, it seems to me, yeah. you know, from, you know, growing up and trying to buy a house, you know, when we were younger and stuff like that. I just never imagined these, some of these rent rates. Well, I, I, I think that, I think that downtown Tampa is prime for a uh, renaissance and I think with what Vinick is doing with yeah. the Water Street, if they can pull that off, it's going to be huge for downtown Tampa. One of the things that they have to be very careful about is that uh, they don't fall into the realm of cookie cutter. There's a known formula for success in the downtown area, and that's to have variety. You want to have a variety in... in is it variety of design or variety of... Of, of everything. Of uses. Everything. Of everything. Variety okay. of uses, a variety of price points. If everything's expensive, then not everybody can right. live there. You know, it's uh, it's the idea of um, what they're doing off of uh, South Howard. There's, you know, a lot of restaurants that have popped up there over the last couple of years. But there's they, they, they understand that there needs to be a mix of high-end restaurants like uh, Haven versus something that's affordable like Zoe's Kitchen so that anybody can be in that area and can enjoy the urban environment. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, the Channel Side area, I mean, are you guys doing any projects in Tampa? So we are doing, we're, we're doing a lot in Tampa, but in the downtown uh, Channel Side area, the Water Street, uh, we are just completing what is the first piece of the puzzle for that redevelopment, which is the cent- Central Energy Plant. Okay. And uh, so that's that's key to everything else. But beyond that, we are also working on uh, what what we're calling the Block 75 Hotel. It's a new development that's uh, on the east side of City Hall. And it's going to be a 20-story hotel with uh, mixed use on the ground floor and structured parking. It's going to be public parking. Uh, You you know, you mentioned the the need for additional parking. Tampa is a commuter city. People drive into Tampa to go to work and then they drive home right. at night. And I think a lot of what they're trying to accomplish with Water Street is to create the densification and to create pu- uh, uh, permanent residents. And uh, I think I heard a number of like they're trying to bring 23,000 residents into the downtown area. And you can imagine if you've got that many public uh, permanent residents along with the uh, arena and the convention center there's a lot of uh, potential for there to be a lot of people boots on the ground, which is going to drive that economic sustainability. So what, what would be a project? I mean, what's the smallest project you guys would take? Uh, I mean, would you just do a restaurant build out? Yes. We, we, we have a, we have an interior design department, one of the best in Florida. So you, You can pass on the architecture, do the interior design on a white box and be completely fine. Well, well, of course. Yeah. Okay. We get approached all the time for, projects that have been shelled they've been built out and right. everything's just a shell on the inside and to do the build out of it we've been approached uh to do restaurant build outs for projects that are already under construction but we have a relationship with that particular company and they come back to us and uh, uh so we we don't we don't pass on those things and then as far as like being competitive like what makes you guys like three things that sets you guys apart 
service, service, service. Great. We, we yeah. believe in, it's actually our company so motto. I've seen a lot of their pictures and stuff, not only the service, but the creativity is pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and that's, those are, those are the two big pieces of the puzzle. Creativity, because everybody wants to have something that's unique to them. But if you do not provide the service to your client, they're not going to come back to you and they're not going to recommend you for another job. Well, that's great. Well, I'm here with Grayson Silver. My name is James Ramos. Um, at jamesramos.com, you can find me or you can follow Twitter at JRTPA. There's a lot of pictures and great stuff that we put on there every day. Grayson, thank you very much, bud. Grayson is an architect with Baker Barrios. They're located in uh, headquarters in Orlando. They have an office on Madison. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great time. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed all of the program or want to hear it again, listen to the podcast on jamesramos.com or on YouTube at Ramos Media Network. See you next week with Ramos Design Build, Tampa Bay's premier real estate design, build, and construction company. Homes are built to bring people together. It's the place that families gather to create memories that last a lifetime. With that in mind, you want a builder who requires a design to reflect your expectations. Ramos Design Build is that company. They understand this concept, offer a concierge level of service, ensuring that you are involved in every step of the design build process. Ramos Design Build integrates the latest in construction technology, building you a home that will last for generations. Ramos has a portfolio of satisfied clients from its decades of service in the Tampa Bay community. If you are looking for a luxury remodel, a home renovation, or a custom home built from the ground up, contact Ramos Design Build at RamosDesignBuild.com. That's RamosDesignBuild.com. Hi, my name is James Ramos. I am a licensed general contractor at Ramos Design Build. When someone asks why I do what I do, I am proud to say that I help bring families back to the table. And when you partner with Ramos, we make your family's home dreams a reality. Ramos Design Build, construction, development, and renovation. A legacy since 1956.